0: Well, welcome, everybody, to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name's Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. On behalf of uh, my wife, Erica, all of our kids, we got a lot of them. But anyway, uh, so happy that you guys are here so, and uh, made it out today at Rise. We're so excited that you're here. If you're here with us for the very first time, if you're a guest, we're so happy that you made it in. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. would say three times. Here's why I know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. so I want to invite you to come back at least three times and check it out. In fact, I'm not even speaking today, so you got to come back and hear me. And uh, it's not, you know, I'm not the cell here for sure. But hey, you at least you can get an idea of what the senior pastor is like. And uh, man, we're so excited that everybody's here with us today. Also, all those who are watching online on Facebook Live, want to welcome everybody in digital land. So happy that you're here with us today. If you are uh, have your phone and you have Facebook, go ahead and take it out and check in, let people know you're here. We found out that that's been a great way to connect with other people online. And they've said, hey, I, you went to church at Rise. I wanted to go check it out. Let's go together. It's been a great opportunity to connect. So make sure you do that. You guys are in for an absolute treat today. You have uh, we, we have a, uh, a great guest speaker. And he's really not a guest. He's really a family member. He spoke here last April or May, I think, of this last year. And uh, we had him come back because he, we heard just so many great things about him. He's actually uh, been a pastor in my life since I was 18 years old. I met him when I was 18. I walked in to uh, a church service that he was running, and uh, I was wearing a three-piece suit as a youth, he was in youth ministry, and I walked in with my three-piece, how many of y'all grew up in church where y'all had to wear a suit? Anybody wear it? Okay, so that was me, so I walked in, and I was out of place instantly, and, uh, he, he took the time to really invite me into what I call ministry. And uh, I got an opportunity to start in ministry. And I would not, honestly, this is a great, This you know, how many of y'all know your destiny is tied to your relationships? Amen, right? Your, your destiny is tied to your relationship. Who you are connected to really gives you the ability to get to your destiny. And so it was because of this man who saw past all of the craziness of that young guy uh, at 18. Y'all think I'm messed up now? 18 years old, all right? I mean, it's crazy. And so uh, he he invited me into the ministry and taught me everything I knew. And so um, I, I'm, I'm excited because he's a huge, huge, uh, big deal to me. And so I thought it was interesting. He's actually here on Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, he pastors me on a regular basis. And uh, he's a pastor in my life, and so we wanted to appreciate him. So, Jax, bring that up real quick. I wanted to kind of have him come up. Come on, PT. Come on. Welcome welcome, Pastor Todd real quick. He, they're both going to walk up together. And so uh, thank you, Jax. And so. All right. So this is going to be funny because he's a golfer. And so we're like, hey, we want to get him a gift. So this is your brand new putter. And so if you like, you have to tell us if it's any good or not. We got it at uh, at Dave and Buster's. It was awesome. And so I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, it's a good one. And so, um, and we just want to give it to you. And so I'm going to keep it and try it out for a few weeks and then I'll send it to you if that works out for you. All right. So, hey, welcome Pastor Todd for real. So happy that he came. Oh my gosh! I am a
1: golfer, and uh, we went and played top golf yesterday. Anybody ever do top golf before? Your pastor's not good. Um, I mean, thank God he's good at other things. Um, having children is one of them. Apparently, there's eight of them, but uh, golf is not one of them. Every time I come, there's like a new kid. It's like, oh, there's a new. Y'all added another one, and so uh, yeah, he's he's. But hey, we're gonna work on that. We're going to pray at the end of service, and then we're going to work on it. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun yesterday. And so anyway, well, hey, I have a countdown clock that tells me I only got 29 minutes. Uh, so I'm going to get to it. So I love your pastor. I love his wife. I like his wife better than I like him. I don't know if y'all feel the same way or not. Um, I love his whole family. Um, I've, I've been with him for a really, really long time. I dearly, dearly love this family. They are they're so close to my heart. I mean, but I was with him. I, mean, I married y'all off. I, I mean, I just I was with y'all when y'all were dating each other. That's how far back I go in his life. And so uh, I know you were thinking, wow, he looks like a, such a good looking young man. How could he be in Aaron's life that long? But it's true. Uh, I have been. And so anyway, well, hey, let's do this. Let's just dive right in. We are in a series called Scared to Death. And I so believe in the title because here's what I well, here's what I believe is that when you make decisions based out of your fear, you do end up in a bad place. Can I, can I get him in? Like, And here's what I know. We all deal with fear. There's some men in here that deny that maybe, but we all do. We all deal with fear. One of the reasons why I know that is because the Bible, the most quoted line in all of scripture is fear not. So God knew. It's like he knew. How did he know? Well, we're afraid little people here. So we, we have our fears. We have our issues. We're scared. And today what I want to do, I've looked at Pastor Aaron and he shared with me what he's kind of, you know, talked to you about the last couple of weeks. But I just want to share to you, what do you do? When you're faced with real fear, sometimes you have internal fears that aren't real, right? Like sometimes you're, you're dealing with just internal stuff, insecurities or rejection or weird things. Or th- What do you do when just fear is real? What do you do when the doctor calls and he tells you you've got some disease that you've never heard of? What do you do with that? Like what do you do when your teenager goes off the rails? What do you do when you look at your bank account? You know what I mean? What do you do when you're like, ugh? There's sometimes just real things in life. What do you do when you're afraid? As a matter of fact, as this little boy, and this little boy was afraid of the dark, like many many of us are when we're little. And he was afraid of the dark. And his mama, though, his mama said, I need you to go get that broom. That broom's out in the backyard. I need you to go get that broom. And so uh, what he did was, he the Mama, I'm afraid out of the dark. I ain't going out there. I ain't going to get that broom. And she said, you go get that broom. Go get that broom. Mama, I'm afraid. Jesus will be with you. And he's like, What? i promise jesus jesus is everywhere okay so jesus but we go get that broom jesus will protect you go you know so he goes to the door and he's just staring at that door like i don't want to go out there It's dark out there the boogeyman's out there you know whatever and um and so finally he has this brilliant idea and so he just cracks that door open uh jesus if you're out there can you get that broom <laughs> so sometimes the best thing you can do when you're afraid is just call on jesus can i get an amen and that's and that's the essence right as a matter of fact guys if you check out for the next 26 minutes and your wife ask you later what the sermon was about, just stick with that. Yeah. Just, just go with that. You'll be all right. She won't be mad at you. And so, um, but, but we all do things when we're afraid, right? We have a response. We react. We all, and so he, here's a few things you might do. I don't know what you're like, but here's what I do when I'm afraid. Sometimes I just try to like take control, right? Yeah. Some of you like control freaks. You, you, when fear hits, you're out of control. So you're like, I, I got to take control. Yeah. Some of you, the opposite. You bury up. You, you get into your... You get into that snuggie and you put on Netflix and you just hunker down, right? Can I get an amen? That's just fun sometimes. And so sometimes you fight when you're afraid, yeah. right? You ever, you ever notice that we, that we have a fight or flight thing in our body? And the reason why is because when, when you feel fear, you have blood that rushes to your legs. Do you know this? This is why you can run from the cops so well. And so, um, or, or from a bear, whatever y'all have here. So anyway, if you're a police officer, I love you. And so I will not run from you. I don't want to be tased. And so um, you panic. You denial anybody denial? Don't don't you have to raise your hand? Don't this is you have to elbow your your wife or husband or anything like that. But denial, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of nothing. You know you get leverage your influence. Just go with you. You here's what I did. This is what this is what I did when I was afraid. When I was in seventh grade, I was a part of the middle school choir, which is a joke because I cannot sing at all. Like it's terrible. And so, uh, but I was a part of the seventh grade choir and I don't know why, but I was. And every year the seventh grade choir went to like, y'all got like six flags or what do y'all? I don't know what y'all got, but we had like that, right? And, and but when you're in seventh grade, you know, I was afraid of roller coasters because I was the type of kid that liked to imagine where the car, if it flew off the rails, where it would land. Because I'd be like, man, I'm going to end up in that cotton candy booth over there. We're going to launch right off this thing and I'm going to die. That's what I thought about when I thought about roller coasters when I was in seventh grade. But everybody say, but there are things that will help you overcome your fears, because on this trip, it was it was (laughs) was co-ed, boys and girls up in here. And there was the cutest little girl you ever did see. Her name was Margie Dutton. And this girl was cute. I mean, she's the cutest girl you ever did see. Blonde hair, curly blue eyes, just the cutest little thing God ever made. And I had a crush on Margie Dutton, she was y'all, y'all. remember how, like in the Peanuts, how Charlie Brown had that little redheaded girl? Yeah. That's how I was. That was the Margie Dutton. She's the cutest little girl that God ever made. And so, so, what? See, what had happened was, is I had made a predecision that I am not going on death coasters, and I, I ain't doing that because no, it don't make no sense. Why would I get into a steel cage that whirls and flips and does stupid stuff and's gonna fly off the rails? But Margie walked up, you know, she but she her little gal pals. And I was with my homies. And she's like, hey guys, what are you doing? You know, she does, she's the cutest little girl God ever made. And, uh, and she's, hi guys, what are you doing? Hey, we're gonna go on the Vortex, you wanna go? What did I say? Yeah, yeah girl, let's do this. <laughs> and I handled business. I owned the Vortex. Because sometimes when you're afraid, you take control. Anyway, so whatever you do, but have you ever noticed, This is be honest, Sometimes you do dumb things when you're afraid. Some of your biggest regrets and dumbest decisions happen. When you're afraid. All of a sudden, the finances do that. I've seen guys do this. Guys do this where their finances and all of a sudden the finances are bad, so they go out and try to like to, to like to get ahead or make it back up or do whatever. They make a, a foolish decision. You see this in, in, in marriage. I've seen this with single people. Like uh, Girls will be like, oh, I'm afraid of being alone. And so instead of waiting on Mr. Right, you just hook up with Mr. Right now. You know what I mean? And then years later, you're looking at him sideways like, what was I thinking? Don't look right now. And so... And so anyway, sometimes you have a tendency to do dumb things when you're afraid. As a matter of fact, I have, um, I have this, this great insight from a rafting trip. This guy it was a young college kid, took us on a rafting trip, and he gave us one, I only remember one bit of instruction. I might have not been paying attention to the rest, but there was one bit of instruction. It was so brilliant. I thought it was insightful. And what he said was, he goes, all right, it's going to get rough. It's going to get rocky. you going out that boat. And when you go out of that boat, here's what I need you to do. He said, you're going to be in the rapids and you're going to go low and then come high and then go low and come high. He said this. It's profound. He said, when you, you're going to be, be tempted that when you come up, you're going to want to take a breath. Don't do it. Everything within you, when you're in the water and you start, are struggling for breath, you just <gasps> you want that breath. He said, when you're at the top, don't breathe. He said, you've got to trust me. He said, Because when you're at the top, that's when the water splashes you in the face. And if you breathe at the top, you're going to get hit with water and you're going to suck in water and you're going to hate it. He said, breathe when you're in the dip, when you're in the low point, that's where you take your breath. That's some insight right there because see there's a there's a thing with us that when we get into the low part and we, we're down, we're out, we're worried, we're stressed, we're afraid and that's where you got to learn how to breathe and today I'm going to read you a story and you've probably never heard of it before because it's one of them stories that's tucked away in chronicles and if y'all are read through the Bible and a year people and you quit in Leviticus you ain't never getting to this story. so so I'm going to tell you all a new story, only three of y'all have ever heard of. But there's a guy in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you have your Bible, and he actually shows you how to breathe in the dip. He teaches you how to, like, this is what you do. Because you ever ask, well, what do I do, Todd? Okay, I get it. Don't take control. Don't, don't fight. Don't hide. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, what do I do? And this guy shows you what to do. It's brilliant. You ready? So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, this is what it says. It says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the, the Meunites... And I had, a, I had a quick insight. This is for two people. Um, I got ites in life. Like, I got enemies. I got things up against me, like Moabites and Ammonites. And I heard of them before. I've never heard of the Meeunites. And then it occurred to me, like, you know what my biggest enemy sometimes is? Is me. Sometimes there's a Meeunites out there. And, and anyway, that's just somebody. So, verse 2 says all these ites were coming against him. So the people came and told Jehoshaphat. Also, by the way, if you're out there and you're pregnant and you're looking for like a baby name. Don't name your kid Jehoshaphat. (laughs) The key to naming your kid properly is to think of how other children will make fun of your kid if you give them that name. And I'm telling you that you're lobbing softballs if you name your kid Jehoshaphat. (laughs) So don't do that. Uh, So Jehoshaphat, they came and told him, a vast army is coming against you. From Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already this army at Hazan Tamar, that's in Getty. Everybody say alarmed. Alarmed, Afraid. Freaking. I'm freaking out. That's what that literally means in Hebrew. If you look at it, I'm freaking out. Jehoshaphat, this is what he did. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. This is, this is kind of gets you into like this guy's on it. Because like here's what I do. Uh, again, when I'm afraid, I panic. I freak out. I hide. I fight. I take control. I do. I do. I do. Whatever I do. And it usually ends up a mess. And the very first thing he does is he, says he inquires of the Lord. Literally what this means is it doesn't mean like he prayed, because we all pray, right? Some of y'all didn't believe in God. You pray if it gets bad enough, right? So we all pray. That's not what he's saying. It literally means I turn in my heart to the Lord. Because sometimes when we pray, we turn our mouth to the Lord, but our heart's still freaking out. So he's like, no, no, I turn my heart to the Lord. And I'm going to fast, which fast is a form of focused. Like, it's a, it's a form of, like, I'm going to sacrifice so that I can focus. And this is what he does. And, and again, this is so cool, too, because this is a leader. I appreciate this about this guy. He's a leader who, when you're a leader, you're tempted to always have the right answers, right? Like, men, sometimes y'all are like that with your, your sons, and it's, it's, a, it's not a good thing, Right? You, so the temptation sometimes is to act like you're never afraid. And so you know maybe your kids are around. And you're like, well, daddy's, daddy's not afraid. That's not what you ought to do because what you're teaching them is that you ought not be afraid. And that's a lie because you're afraid. What you ought to do is say, you know what? Dad's afraid right now, and, and, and he is going to turn to the Lord. And what you do end up doing is not teaching your kids not to be afraid. You teach your kids what to do when they are afraid. And so as leaders, don't be that leader or don't be that husband or don't be that mom. You're a single mom. You got to just grit it out and be tough and whatever. Sometimes the best thing you can do is say, hey, look, I need to turn to the Lord. There's some things going on that are beyond us and we are going to trust the Lord. And so anyway, this is what happens in verse four. The people of Judah, they came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he said this. Now, this is how he prays. Now, remember, he inquired to the Lord. He calls a fast. He brings everybody together. And then they have this group corporate prayer. And this prayer is brilliant. Are you ready? Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it, give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's a good prayer. Hey, I'm, I'm going to teach you all something about prayer real quick here, because sometimes... Uh, sometimes church people, they, they teach you how to pray and be all proper because this is what you teach your little kids. Okay, bow your heads and close your eyes. And we do that because they have the, the uh, attention span of a nap. And so we, we think if we get them to bow their heads and close their eyes, they can actually pull this off for 20 seconds. But that's actually like, we, see, we try and teach you how to be proper. You always say in Jesus name at the end and we're just doing, let me just help you quick here. The, the, the biblical authors, they don't write it that way. That's not how they teach you to pray. I don't think I've ever seen bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're gonna. No, no, no. Sometimes this is how they pray, and a bunch of people pray like this, and there's an audacity to their prayer. Because I'm gonna give you three elements to a great prayer. Are you ready? This is it. Three elements to a gutsy, bold, audacious prayer. The first thing you notice, there's a line in there where he literally says these words He says, Are you not? That's bold. He literally starts to leverage. The, 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 in essence, the, the nature of God, the character of God. Like, are you not the God who is powerful? Are you, that's gutsy. Can you imagine walk up to your dad, your little kid, and be like, are you not loaded? You can handle this, dad. You got the money for this, right? Don't do that, by the way, if you're a kid. But, but he does. He leverages the, the, the character of God, the nature of God. Like, are you not? Are you not a God who saves? Are you not a God who delivers? That's pretty gutsy. We don't teach people how to pray like that. Abraham prays like that. Abraham negotiates with God. You ever notice that? He's like, look, all right, give me 10, give me 10, give me 5, give me 5. He's just like, if I I can find one wretched soul in that city, God, and he's just praying and pleading and bargaining and negotiating with God. Sometimes you, and your kids already do, my kid does this, right? So like I got a kid who grew up with a super organic mother, and you have to negotiate when your mother is organic, right? Because you just know you don't get things. Like I remember the first time he ever got a Krispy Kreme donut when he was little, my aunt gave it to him when mom went looking, and um and he was eating a Krispy Kreme. And you know what he said? He said, oh, This is the greatest bagel I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Why, wow, that kid ain't never had no Krispy Kreme. And so this little kid, when he was little, I remember, I remember he did this to me, Pastor Aaron. He came to me with a sprite and he wanted some sprite, and mom really didn't let him have soda hardly ever. And he said, Dad, may I please have this caffeine-free soda? <laughs> What's he doing? I'm negotiating. Look, there's no caffeine in here. Because he was crazy, right? Them little boys is crazy sometimes. He was trying to negotiate. I appreciate that. The biblical, Moses does it. Moses bargains and negotiates. The Canaanite woman does it. She's talking about, you know, like they just negotiated. They bargained. They pleaded. Remember, there's there's even a parable Jesus tells where he's like, this woman prayed to the point of nagging. And God answered it. So I'm just, you think about that. Sometimes your prayers is proper. But not these people. They're gutsy. Second part of a gutsy prayer is this: He goes, "Have you not?" He goes, "Are you not?" I'm leveraging your character. I know who you are. Have you not? Now he's leveraging the past faithfulness of God. Like God, I've seen you. I've seen you do the. I've seen you do the incredible. I've seen you do the miraculous. I've seen you. I've seen you part the waters, God, yeah. twice. Yeah. Like you can do this. This is not beyond you. I know what your faithfulness is. And then he asks this question: He goes, "Will you not?" this is gutsy praying right here. Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? And this is where he goes for the big ask at the end of his prayer. He goes, we need your help. We need your deliverance. And this is what I think. I think God honors big prayers because big prayers honor God. Think about it. Little prayers, right? Because if I come to my dad and be like, hey, can I get five bucks? That's a little, you know, as I looked at, I need five G's. (laughs) You must be assuming I have that, right? Like, that's a, like you, you assume I can pull that off. All right. And so God has the ability to pull off anything. Like, make your prayers gutsy. Make them big. Make them bold. But at the end of the prayer, here's, here's what I need you to do. At the end of the prayer, he says a key phrase. And I need you to write this down. I need you to tweet this. If you're looking for a new tattoo, work this in, right? But this is what he says. He says, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's life. How many times in life do we come to a thing where we're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. This is, this is beyond me. This is beyond, no, M- mama didn't teach me this. Daddy didn't teach me this. I've never been through this before. I've never experienced this before. I don't know what to do with this. And you know what you say to yourself? You say, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. That's your motto. That's your life. So watch this, verse 13. So all the men of Judah, um, with their wives and children and little ones, they stood or waited there before the lord now i need you to think about that so he's prayed his prayer he's already pleaded with god but now his next thing is i'm gonna wait i don't know about you i'm not a good waiter i'm a, do- I'm a good doer i'm gonna get on that thing waiting so again right because normally that's what we do you ever do that you pray like god i believe you're gonna come through for me and then immediately as soon as you say amen you go do something disastrous right I don't know why you prayed. Wait. You gotta wait and let God answer. So Jehoshaphat, this is verse 18, he bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, they fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites, from some other weird people, they stood up and praised the Lord. That's what I don't, I don't know how to say them words. Does anybody here a Hebrew scholar want to try to pull that off after service? You come let me know. It's closely resembled to the Klingons or something. It's... But some Levites, that's what I was like. So I should have just dot, dot, dotted that. That's what I should do. Just leave them people out. We don't even know who they are anyway. So some of the Levites from these people stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, in a very loud voice. You know what they did? They worshipped. So they're, they're praying. They're waiting. They're worshipping. Verse 20, early in the next morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. And have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Now, that's like his Braveheart moment, right? That's what we normally lead with. They've already prayed, they fasted, they worshiped, they waited, and then the Braveheart speech comes. So don't lead with Braveheart speech. That maybe comes later. So, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord... And to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Now, listen, I've heard of dumb military strategies before. But when you need to send an army out, you do not send out the worship team ahead of the army. That, General Patton would be disappointed, right? Because I love you worship leaders, but your scarf and white belt, that ain't cutting it on the battlefield, okay? Like, I love you. But, like, we need more than, than, you know, than your scarf. I'm just kidding. That was funny. I don't care what you say. That was funny. Because I'll tell you later. So so he tells them, hey, we're going to send out the worship team ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now, this is it. This was the blueprint. It was laced in there, but there's four words that I want you to remember when it comes to what do you actually do? So here, I'm going to answer your question. Todd, what do I actually do when I'm afraid? Like, well, I get afraid sometimes. I don't know what to do. What do I actually do? Four words I want you to remember. First thing is this. Number one is I want you to, wait, there it is. Pooh. Oh, no, we need to, boom. There you go. Worship. I want you to worship. That's the first thing I want you to do. When you feel afraid, I want you to worship. And again, not not prayer, worship. Because prayer typically involves you asking things. I don't want you to ask for things. I want you to declare things. Like I want you to set your eyes on God. I want you to set your heart and affection on God. I want you to worship God, sing. I I want you to declare God's greatness over your life. Because here's the real temptation. If you're taking notes, this is good. Is that fear makes us shrink God down to the size of our greatest problem. You ever notice that? Like, you know how big God is right now? he's the size of my biggest problem because I don't know that he can handle that. And so fear has a shrinking thing. But worship is the opposite. Worship makes your problems shrink in light of the greatness of our God. So by worshiping, all you're doing, you're not changing your circumstances. You're just changing your perspective. My God is bigger than my problems. My God is bigger than my fear. If I don't start there, nothing else is going to matter. Number two is this. Everybody say, wait. wait. So you got to worship. And then you got to wait. Again, now I'm not saying be passive or be lazy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying be irresponsible and sit down and do nothing. I am not saying go get in your Snuggie and watch Netflix. Haste makes waste is the saying that we have. Uh, We we might want to think of it this way. When it comes to fear, haste just creates more problems. You want to worship and then you want to wait. Because you just prayed and asked God to do something on your behalf. Give God a chance to work. Give the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes you're praying for that loved one, but you don't actually allow the Holy Spirit to do his job, which he is fantastic at his job. That's why you're here today, by the way. Right. Yeah. So like, he's good at his job. So, so sometimes what we do is, is we pray, but then we intervene immediately. And sometimes we end up kind of like stunting what God's actually trying to accomplish. Wait. Everybody, number three, is in. Everybody say walk? walk. Walk. Yeah, this is where like you put the choir before the army sometimes. Sometimes God just asks you to do things that seem a little odd, they seem a little unorthodox. God's going to ask something of you, and you are going to have to walk that out. If you're taking notes, the single greatest act of faith in God is just obedience. That's it. I just well, hey look, you know what? I really believe and feel that God wants me to do this, and it might not make great logical sense, but I feel like it's just a maybe a spiritual gesture or a move that I need to make. And then lastly, number four is you got to watch. See, so you to worship. You got to wait, you got to walk it out, but then you watch. And what you do is you watch to see what God does. This is what God does for them. Are you ready? So as they began to sing and praise the Lord, as scarves and white belts led out the army, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Now, that will make no sense, but he explains what that means. He goes, the Ammonites... And the Moabites, they rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So you remember, these are like tribal groups. So I don't know what God did, but God basically created a tiff between the tribes that had come together. And all of a sudden, in the the moment, they start getting mad at each other and start fighting and killing each other. And Jehoshaphat's sitting up there singing and worshiping and praying and fasting. And they're out there now fighting. Not him. Not the people of God, they're fighting themselves. So when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooked the desert and they looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. And no one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it all. That's a cool story. You know what happens when you're afraid, and then you just knee-jerk? You just react? You just jump? You, again, you fight, you run, you take control, you, do, you get hasty, you do all those things. This doesn't happen. The only way this happens is when you worship, and you wait, and you walk out those little acts of obedience. That gets you to where you can actually watch. Because, again, I know, I know how it is. Your fears drive you. Sometimes you have a fear. I know people that grew up poor. And they have a fear of being poor. And now they're workaholics. Why? Because their fear was driving them towards, towards death. I know people who, um, you've you maybe experienced this before. When you go through a bad breakup and you've been cheated on, all of a sudden you start, you start being skeptical of everybody. You don't trust people anymore. You, 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 can't, you can't be intimate in your relationship anymore. Why? You're always skeptical. Your fear is driving you, it's driving a wedge now into your current relationships. You have a fear of being left out. So you, you get some FOMO, you know what I mean? You get some fear of missing out, so you compromise, you start making bad decisions. You, you have all these different ways. I know people that are like this, they have a fear of being rejected and abandonment issues. And so what they do is they get clingy because they're like, ah, oh, they're going to leave me. Oh, what if they leave? What if they leave? And you get clingy. And you know what you end up doing? Pushing people away. You end up actually becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because the very thing that you are afraid of, you actually drive people to do to you. Because you're responding out of your fear. I, mean, I could keep going on forever. Like parents, sometimes you're afraid, especially if you're a single parent, you're afraid of your kid wanting to pick that parent over you. or Maybe you've maybe you got both parents. You're just afraid of your kids rejecting you and so you don't discipline your kids because well, I need them to like me. That's fear, fear driving all of your decision making. Some of y'all have been burned by uh, maybe authority figures in the past. Now you got a fear of authority. You think everybody in charge is against you. Now you can't, you can't actually submit to any leader or any person in your life. And you're just afraid. You get that rebellious thing. What is that? What is going on in me? The answer is that I'm being driven by my fear and my fear is actually leading me to death. Last story and I'll close with this. When I was a little kid, do y'all have basements in San Antonio? No, okay, so I got, California doesn't either. Basements are in South Carolina, which is where I grew up. And we had a basement, and whoever designed this basement was a moron. Can I just say that? He, I don't know what, I don't think he had his contracting license. Because this knucklehead decided it's a dark, damp, creepy basement. It wasn't no finished basement. It was creepy. Washer and dryer were down there, made weird noises. And this jack wagon had decided to put the light switch on the far side of the room. So when you were a little boy, you had to go down the steps into this dark, deep, just creepy looking Like if there was a boogeyman, he was up in there. If there was a bad person in your house, he was in there. We also had this thing, and it was only for a little while. And I don't even know if this is real or this is my childhood imagination. But we had these spiders that I promised to the Lord Jesus. It was like a one-eyed spider with a bunch of hair on it, and it would jump. That'll freak you out as a kid. And that was in my basement. And I was always afraid of my basement. So I would get to the bottom of the steps and I would know that if I could just turn the light on, I'd be safe. But I had to run all through the darkness before I could get over there. And so you'd get down there and you know you had to, you know, like a little boy having to go get the broom. You know, I gotta, I gotta go over there. I gotta go over there. I gotta go over there. And so you get to the end and you just like, ah, and you just run to that light, thinking that light is your salvation. Because the light somehow vanquishes the boogeyman. Again, you gotta think like a kid. But I noticed something. I was an observant little twerp. Even though I was so freaked out and I was so scared when I was a little boy, when I would go into the basement with my dad, I'd follow him down them steps. <laughs> y'all remember Y'all remember John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever? You can't tell by the way I used my walk, I'm a woman's man. That's how I did through the basement. Right behind my dad, he'd be like, uh-huh, what's up now, player? what's up? What's up, boogeyman? My circumstances did not change. It was simply the presence of my father. There was something in that room that was greater than any fear that I would face in that room. My circumstances did not change. It was only the presence of my father. I went from fear to less simply because of the presence and the power of my dad, because there was nothing my dad couldn't handle. Last thing, if you're taking notes, your heavenly father is with you and your life is in his hands. Let's pray this morning. There are real fears. There are real boogeymen. There are real things going on in the world. I promise there are. There are. Sometimes there's, there's sometimes there's just fears that are in our head and in our emotions. And they're not real and they're bothering us. But doggone, sometimes you run into real things. And I don't want you to react poorly. I don't want you to react foolishly. I want you. I want you to worship. I want you to wait. I want you to walk out your obedience with God and then walk. I mean, watch. Watch as your heavenly Father does something great. I want you to know God is with you. Is everybody out there today? Can I just connect with you real quick? Is there anybody out there today that said, "Todd, I've really got something going on my life that's bothering me, that's making me afraid, that's that's got me stressed out, that's got me worried"? Can you just, just between me and you, would you slip your hand up in the air? Just say, "I've got something real, Todd. I've got something. I'm I'm I got it. It's the it, and I don't want to respond. I don't want to react poorly. Lord Jesus, I pray for these hands that are lifted. God, would you make your presence be known? God, help us just to sense your power, your presence, your spirit." You are operating with us right here, right now. There is nothing that is beyond your power. There is nothing that's ever thrown you off. You've never been surprised in your life, God. You are in control. And so I lift up these people to you, Lord God. May you comfort them. May you give them confidence, Lord. We pray and ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give me a good gospel. Amen.